The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated French Open in years, and Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your smart TV or your phone live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to continue their legacy on the clay courts? From the first serve to the final point, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it all happens. Welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and right now and today, you are listening on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Now, speaking of professionals, I think we have a goat on our hands. Uh, the most Grand Slams ever won by a male tennis player. 21, Rafael Nadal wins the Australian Open. Spoiler alert, I'm going to get through everything else in this episode, but spoiler alert, Rafael Nadal wins his 21st Grand Slam title, and that is the record on the men's side of the most Grand Slams ever won by a male tennis player to ever play the game. Unbelievable match it was on Sunday between Daniil Medvedev and Rafael Nadal. Now let me get you a quick caught up to how we got to that point. When I left you off last week, we were talking about the quarterfinals and who was in the quarterfinals. Now, it was uh, Monfils. Sorry. Yeah, Monfils was playing Berrettini. And Chapo was playing Nadal. Sinner was playing Tsitsipas. And FAA was playing Daniil Medvedev. Now, I'm going to start at the bottom this time. Daniil Medvedev loses the first two sets of his FAA match and then comes all the way back and beats him in five. And this was really FAA's chance to make a big breakthrough. Now, in the third set of that FAA match... It actually went to a tiebreaker. So Felix Ogier-Aliassim had a good, a lot of good chances in that match. Yannick Sinner didn't put up much of a fight against Tsitsipas. Tsitsipas beats him in three. Nadal beats Chapo in five, actually. Nadal wins the first two sets. Chapo comes back, wins the next two. And Nadal barely beats him, beats him 6-3 in the final set, which was kind of a surprisor to a lot of people. And then Monfils loses to Berrettini in five sets. So a lot of good matches in that quarterfinal round. When you get to the semis, though, Berrettini kind of gets tossed by Nadal, losing in four sets. He didn't look very good, honestly. Berrettini didn't look good until about that third set in that match. And then Sitsipas gets beaten four by Daniil Medvedev. I just don't think he can match what Medvedev could bring to the table. That brings us to the final on Sunday between Daniil Medvedev and Rafael Nadal. Now, Medvedev comes out hot, and he cruises past Nadal in the first set, 6-2. The second set was a totally different story. The second set actually goes to a tiebreaker, and I watched a good majority of this match. The second set tiebreaker was real close. I thought Nadal kind of got off to a quick start on that one, and to be honest, in my head, I'm thinking if Nadal wins the second set tiebreaker, I think this is over. I think Nadal wins this this match, but if you know Medvedev gets a quick 2 to nothing lead on this guy, Medvedev could kind of stroll through and win this thing. So Medvedev actually wins the second set 
7-5 in the tiebreaker. So in the tiebreaker, he wins seven points to five points, uh, not 7-5 as far as games, but in the tiebreak. And then Nadal wins the third, 6-4, wins the fourth, 6-4, and then I'll talk about the fifth here in a sec. But the third, the third, there's a screenshot going around social media that in the third set, Nadal was serving 2-3, and he was down to love 40. So Medvedev had three break points to go up a break in that final set. He'd go up 4-2, and essentially he could serve out for the championship. This thing goes five sets. Uh, I think in the middle, in the third and fourth set, I think Medvedev kind of had some... I don't know. I don't want to say mental issues, but there was just, I think he was starting to act up a little bit and some other things were happening. And, you know, obviously the crowd was probably cheering for Nadal, not only so they could, uh, not only so they could see the 21st Grand Slam, but also they're going to cheer for the underdog at that point. And Nadal was losing the match at that point. So they're starting to cheer for Nadal a little bit more. And in the fifth set, it was just back and forth, back and forth. And actually Nadal went up 5-4 with the serve on his on his racket to win the match, he actually gets broke by Medvedev. Now, Medvedev didn't look great all the time, but he still had chances going all the way through this match. Medvedev had many chances going through this match, but just couldn't get over the hump there in the fifth set, and Rafael Nadal becomes the 21st Grand... wins his 21st Grand Slam at the Australian Open. Now, he's now won the career Grand Slam twice, technically, because he's won the Aussie Open twice and won the other ones multiple times. So... He has a career Grand Slam twice, but the biggest thing here is he now sits alone at the top of the Grand Slam winners at 21. Now, you can't help but think, how would this be different if Djokovic was in it? Now, Nadal could still you know, make it to the finals against Medvedev, but he would have had to play Joker in the semis instead of Berrettini. If you ask me, playing Joker in the semis is much different than playing Matteo Berrettini in the semis, which maybe would have made him a little bit more tired. I mean, this finals match was five hours and 24 minutes, so this thing took forever, and both Medvedev, Medvedev kept getting medical attention during the fifth set on his legs. Now, I believe, I don't know for sure, but it looked like he was kind of on the verge of cramping, and his legs were kind of giving him a problem because they had played so long. Now, you could tell Nadal was fatigued as well, and after the match, they pretty much said, like, we really gave it our all. This was all we had, and we played our best tennis. Now, they were both missing shots in the fifth set that they probably wouldn't normally miss, so it wasn't like one guy was really taking the fall for the match being so long, but it this match just took forever. Like, plain and simple, this match just took forever, and it was a really entertaining, fun match to watch. Uh, obviously, a lot on the line. If Djokovic wins, he just beat... Or not Djokovic. If Medvedev wins, he just beat Djokovic and Rafa in back-to-back finals of of majors to win. Um, and if Nadal wins, he's a 21st Grand Slam winner. Now, you can't help but think, well, what would happen if Djokovic was there? But I'm not even really going to get into it because it's not even worth the energy or the time because he wasn't there. Um, there's been a lot of other tournaments that other players haven't been there. So Rafael Nadal, 21 Grand Slams he's won during his career in the ATP Tour in professional tennis. It is absolutely absurd what he has done to the sport. And for him to kind of get over the hump here at the Australian Open was incredible to see, especially when you hear the backstory that has gone through over the last couple months. Now, over the last few months, I believe it was like November 17th, Rafael Nadal had foot surgery, and he posted about it on his social media saying, hoping to be back, blah, blah, blah. And it was pretty much like a month and a half before the Australian Open. And he talks about it in a few interviews, how he thought there was no way that he would, you know, be back. There were days where he couldn't really play tennis. Like, he, 
his improvement wasn't going very well, and he just did not see him coming out of this in such good shape. Now, um, if you watch him play, there are certain things he does um, that surprise you that's not just Rafael Nadal style. Now, there's a lot of – he doesn't slide as much anymore, and you could tell he gives up on some balls that he normally really go all out for. So that was surprising to see. Um, but he's a fighter, man. He's a champion, and that's why he is considered the GOAT right now of the sport is because he never stops fighting, he never stops going, and he never stops trying. And that is why he has 21 Grand Slam titles. You don't get to that point without – you know, that grit and that love and that passion for the game. And you could tell during, you know, the Aussie Open that he was just going for it. And for him to win the Aussie Open, especially after having that big foot injury, it's very interesting to hear his thoughts and his words about where he actually was in November and December and where he thought his game was. Now, if you go to Blair Henley, who is a tennis announcer on Twitter, you can find her on Twitter, and she actually retweeted an article that was written by a news outlet in Europe, and you can translate it. And it pretty much interviews Nadal the morning after winning uh, his 21st Grand Slam at the Aussie Open. And he talks about his entire journey, and he talks about winning the 21st Slam, and he talks about all of that. And it's just very interesting to hear that, you know, how low he was at points and for him to kind of come back in this tournament. Now, for him to, like, compete, when you read this stuff and hear some of the things he said about his injury, um, it's just incredible that he can he can compete at a high level again. And I think that's what he said he's most proud of, is being able to compete at a high level again. And he absolutely did. So um, for Nadal to win the Australian Open is nothing short of incredible. But also, you kind of wouldn't expect anything less from Rafael Nadal. He's not going to get into a tournament and not have the capability to give his absolute best and not give his absolute best, or otherwise he's just going to withdraw. So Rafael Nadal, I've said it a million times, is now the GOAT of tennis um, if it goes by numbers. Now, I don't really want to get into it. I think as far as Masters 1000s and other things like that, I think Rafa just uh, Rafa and Djokovic were tied, but there, there's this whole... There's this whole thing when it comes to Roger and Rafa and Novak and all this stuff, so... Um, as far as uh, Daniil Medvedev goes, after his loss, um, I think he's being a, he's a little upset that the crowds are always against him, um, but he's always playing the big three, and people love the big three. So, uh, you know, I think I think he's a little down after this. There's there's some quotes circling the internet that says, you know, he's not very happy with how it went, and uh, he gave it everything he had, and the crowds are against him. And I, I thought I read somewhere. Now, don't. Uh, credit me with this, but he said something dramatic along the lines of he doesn't know if he wants to play the other Grand Slams this year, as far as the French and the and Wimbledon, just because he you know he doesn't feel like he has any crowd support. Now he does some things that grant the crowd not liking him on the court. I will say that, but uh, Daniil Medvedev is great for the sport, and he's really the only next gen person right now that's going to give the big three a run for their money when it comes to competing for titles at these major Grand Slams. Now let's move over to the women's side, women's singles and men's doubles. Now both these matches took place on Saturday of the Australian Open, and there was a chance to be an all-Australian Saturday. And spoiler alert, there absolutely was. Daniel Collins was playing Ash Barty for the title at the Australian Open, and Barty had not won the Australian Open yet. And an Australian female hasn't won the Australian Open since 1978, I believe. I believe it's been somewhere around 44 years since an Aussie woman has won 
the Aussie Open. So Ash Barty wins the first set. She wins 6-3. You think, all right, Ash Barty's getting it going now. And in the second set, she's actually down 5-1. Comes all the way back and wins it in a tiebreaker to win the Aussie Open. Now, Daniel Collins ranked 27 coming into the Australian Open. Cracks the top 10 for the first time. I believe it's the first time for her. Uh, cracks top 10 after making a run to the final. But Daniel Collins, the way she's playing, um, she plays with a lot of firepower. She plays with a lot of passion. And she really gets it going. And so uh, it was really good to see her make a big run here at the Aussie Open. And I think this could be just the start of a big year for the American. Uh, on the women's side, American tennis, phenomenal. Um, it's really good to see Madison Keys also made it this, to the semis of the Australian Open. So uh, Ash Barty gets the first title for the Aussies in women's singles. Now, in men's doubles, it was all Aussies in in men's doubles. So there was going to be an Aussie Open uh, or an Australian win the Aussie Open on the men's double side. But uh, Kakanakis and Kyrgios actually win 7-5-6-4. And this is kind of, I don't want to say it's funny because these two have so much fun on the court. Kyrgios messes around so much and Kakanakis messes around so much. But I think there's just a fine line that they push where they're messing around and they're also having fun on the other end. So for them to win the Australian Open... Uh, for to be Grand Slam champions together, uh, they even said they don't they didn't they did not expect to win this tournament. They did not expect to make it this far. I believe they beat the number three seed and they beat their number one seeds on the way to the finals. Yeah, they beat the uh, they beat the fifteenth seed, they beat the one seed, they beat the six seeds, and they beat the three seed, and then they make it to the finals. Now they were the funny thing about this is they were both wild cards coming into the doubles side. Now, I don't believe these guys play doubles much all year, except they, I feel like they always do at the Australian Open. So for them to go into this thing and win it as a doubles pair is unbelievable. And they're really entertaining to watch, to be honest. They both got great games. Kyrgios is so incredibly talented, it's almost dumb. And for them to win on the doubles side was, uh, I think it was fun to watch, and I think it's uh, you know good for Aussie tennis and, and good for the game. Now, an all-Australian Saturday. Unfortunately, no Aussie man was in the final on Sunday for the Australian fans, but like we all know, they got a show with Rafael Nadal. Now, a couple other things I want to talk about when we, it comes to the Australian Open. With the push that Taylor Fritz had in the Australian Open, he makes it to the second week of a Grand Slam for the first time in Australia, and he moves into the top 20 for the first time after his performance down under. So Taylor Fritz, the American, continuing to be the number one American, he he cracks in to the top 20. Now let's keep it moving when it comes to players making big jumps. And because of that, Matteo Berrettini, he becomes the he he becomes the sixth ranked player in the world, a career high for him, and he's the second highest ranked Italian man in ATP ranking history. Now he is number six. Nadal is at five. Stefano Tsitsipas is at four. Zverev's at three. Medvedev's at two. And obviously Djokovic sits at one. Now Yannick Sinner, the other Italian, is at number 10 right now. Uh, and let's see if he can keep it moving and go a little bit higher because those are both Aussie men that are playing, or Italian men that are playing phenomenal tennis right now. I've been talking about Aussie so much lately that I get it mixed up with everything else. Um those are pretty much where the rankings sit right now. There's some other tournaments as we get out of Australia. Um, some of the players will be jumping over on a plane to the United States uh, within the next few months to come over and play Indian Wells and also to play 
Miami, I believe. So there's a lot of good tournaments going on in the United States and around the world now that the Aussie Open's over. But what an incredible start to the year. You look at who comes out of the Australian Open victorious, Kakanakis and Kyrgios, which is awesome for the rest of the year as far as entertainment of the sport. And they're both really, really good with a racket in their hand. And then you look at Ash Barty with a great start to the year making history. And obviously, Rafael Nadal making history at the Australian Open. We'll get into more next week, but what an absolute thriller of a tournament once the tennis actually started down under. A lot of, a lot of players to start keeping your eye on for the rest of 2022. And Roland Garros, before you know it's going to be here, and that is in May. So thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. And jump on for the ride of 2022 in the ATP because it's going to be a fun one. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.